Chapter 8. How to Handle Self-Sabotage Thoughts. How Crocodiles Explain Self-Sabotage. While deployments certainly are no fun, one of the perks of being a military family is that you get to travel and see lots of different parts of the world. In 2014, we were stationed in Guam for about a year. Guam is actually not that far from Australia, so we decided to visit. Australia has a surprising number of animals that can kill you. So naturally, we needed to check them out. We drove an hour and a half on the left side of the road up a tight, winding coastal highway to visit Hartley's Crocodile Adventures. Man, what a place. There was this one exhibit that had seating where you could watch the, quote, show. And we arrived before the show began, so there wasn't much to see. It was just a murky pond with a fence around it. So far, I wasn't that impressed. Then the gamekeeper came out and he started telling us about Hagrid, the crocodile who lived in this pond. Really? I thought. The pond didn't look very deep. Supposedly, there was a 16-foot crocodile in there, but I didn't know where he could be hiding. But then the gamekeeper got out a pole with a piece of chicken meat tied to the end of it, and he dangled it over the pond. In about a half a second, the water erupted. This massive animal burst up to snatch the meat and then disappeared. Not even half of the crocodile's body was out of the water, and even just the part I could see was larger than the gamekeeper. I'm not kidding. Google Hartley's Crocodile Adventures Hagrid. Just look up images, and you'll see what I mean. Self-sabotage can be a lot like Hagrid lurking hidden beneath the surface of the pond. We don't realize it, but there can be old, limiting stories tucked away beneath the surface of our conscious awareness waiting to pop out and sabotage our success. It might seem strange to think that there's part of you that wants to stop your progress, but there are actually a number of reasons why someone might sabotage their efforts. At its core, self-sabotage happens when there is an inner conflict between a part of you that wants to lose weight and part of you that doesn't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can confidently say that I 100% of me wants to lose weight. I get it. But that's your conscious mind speaking. Sometimes there's a different story lurking underneath the murky waters of your awareness. It can be really frustrating to feel an involuntary craving for treats or go off plan when you don't understand the mechanisms going on in your brain. It can make you wonder, where is this coming from? Why do I feel out of control? Why did I eat so much more than I planned? Nothing is taking over you and there's nothing wrong with you. Actually, self-sabotage is evidence that your brain is doing exactly what it is designed to do. Your brain is protecting you. You are not broken. Every successful weight loss story has self-sabotage in it. Even the Apostle Paul struggled with self-sabotage. Quote, What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then act another, doing things I absolutely despise. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. Romans 7:15 through 23 the message. We need to normalize self-sabotage before we can get past it. If you have a human brain, there is always some capacity for self-sabotage. It's not your fault. Self-sabotage is normal. Four kinds of crocky thoughts. When our son was in kindergarten, I came in and volunteered in the classroom from time to time. Their teacher, Miss Tracy, was a delightful older lady who had a lot more patience for those 12 little darlings in her class than I did. One day, a boy named Dalton came up to me and said, Miss Lizzie, you're taller than Miss Tracy. 
Does that mean you're older than her too? Dalton knew that taller people in his life were the grown-ups, and he was taller than his younger sister too. So his little six-year-old brain came to the conclusion that if one person is taller than the other, that means they're older. And of course, that makes sense to a six-year-old. It just doesn't happen to be true. The same thing happens in our brains when our subconscious mind draws a conclusion that makes sense at the time, but ends up resulting in a lot of our self-sabotaging behavior. Whatever limiting belief that might be at the root of your self-sabotage came from your brain trying to protect you in a way that made sense at the time. But now it's like Hagrid the croc lurking beneath the surface of your awareness, waiting to pounce on your success. When you're able to unravel some of those faulty subconscious conclusions, you can learn some interesting reasons why your subconscious mind might look to food for safety and comfort. I've seen many examples of how an experience when a person was young turned into self-sabotaging behavior in the present. Our psyches can create all sorts of coping mechanisms to help us deal with the things we experience. Over time, these coping mechanisms evolve into limiting beliefs. I've had clients who... A, were made fun of in school, so they learned never to eat in front of others and then binged when they got home. B, had strict food restrictions as a child, and so they learned to eat in secret and eat the Halloween candy all at once because they knew they wouldn't get it any other time of the year. C, were the victim of an assault, so they learned to protect themselves and hide behind a layer of fat so as not to be seen by a potential attacker. D saw someone they cared about suffer from an existing eating disorder, and so they learned that obsessing about food leads to pain, so they refused to be aware of what they ate to avoid feeling obsessed. E felt neglected by a mom who was hustling to be skinny and gain the attention of men. They learned that skinniness equals lovability, but since they didn't feel loved, that meant they couldn't be skinny. And F, someone who grew up with financial struggles and food was not always available, They learned to eat all they could when food was around because they never knew when it would run out. All of these rationalizations happened beneath my client's conscious awareness. On the surface, they tried all sorts of things to lose weight. But when we dove deeper, we were able to see why part of their subconscious mind wanted to resist losing the weight. Quote, resilience is often a slow unfolding of understanding. What did that experience mean to me? What were the gremlins mumbling? Not only do we need to own our own story and love ourselves in the process, we need to figure out the real story. We also have to learn how to protect ourselves from shame if we want to develop worthiness. Brene Brown. Our brains are really great at protecting us. However, that can create a challenge when it leads to behaviors that are hard to understand. We feel guilt and shame about our protective self-sabotaging eating patterns when we don't understand what's underneath the behavior. Limiting beliefs generally fall into one of four categories. One, low self-esteem. Two, fear of failure. Three, fear of change. Four, fear of success. Let's take those each one at a time. Number one, low self-esteem. Sometimes, deep down, there can be a voice that says, I don't deserve to succeed. Maybe you experienced something difficult in the past that makes you feel like you're not worthy. Maybe you learned messages when you were young from grown-ups in your life that made you believe that you don't get to be happy. Over time, that thought becomes a limiting belief that acts like the hardware in the wiring of a computer. Do you have a hard time accepting compliments? 
Do you feel like you hide your true self in order to please or gain approval from others? Do you immediately blame yourself for any slip-ups or perceived failures? When you feel bad about yourself, it's easy to turn to food to feel better. If your subconscious mind is operating on the underlying program of I don't deserve success or I am unlovable, then you may find yourself doing inexplicable behaviors. On the surface, you're consciously trying to achieve your goals. But if you look at it from the perspective of the subconscious mind, you're simply following a program that says, I don't deserve to feel good. So you act accordingly by harpooning your success. If you were taught to believe that you are less than when you were younger, that can be hard to overcome. It's not your fault if you were raised with certain expectations and beliefs around who you should be or what you're supposed to do. However, you are responsible for it. Let me say that again. It's not your fault, but you are responsible for it. Once you recognize that these beliefs were put on you from someone or somewhere else, now you need to decide if you want to own them as your own or decide which beliefs and expectations you want to have for yourself and own those instead. You get to choose what is true for you. Number two, fear of failure. What if I can't do it? I've tried losing weight so many times before. It might've worked a little, but I always gained it back. What if this time is just like all the others? Let's be honest. Failure hurts. Weight loss really impacts your identity and your primal sense of security and safety. The risk of failing at something so important can be really scary. If you're afraid of failing, and I mean, who isn't on some level, it can be comforting to your subconscious mind to feel in control of that failure by sabotaging your efforts. You avoid failing by not really trying. For example, I might tell myself, I'm not in the right headspace to lose weight right now. And this protects my sense of self because if I really went all out and then I didn't succeed, that's failing and that hurts. But if I didn't totally try, then failing can't really be blamed on me. It was my circumstances. So I get out ahead of the failure by not really trying and I avoid that threat to my identity. Quote, It's not the literal consequences of failure that scare us. It's the fear that we'd fail at something that matters to us. It's not the failure we fear. It's what the failure means about who we are. Stephen Guys. Often, fear of failure gets dressed up and masquerades as perfectionism. The subconscious mind loves perfectionism because it can hide there and hang out in the safety of that nice cool shadow of that boulder called perfection. If the standard I'm aiming for is perfection then trying to meet it seems futile. Frankly, it's easier not to try. Perfectionism is really a form of self-protection. I don't know about you, but I feel some version of fear, frankly, several times a day. Usually I'm all wrapped up in the story in my head. However, when I can notice fear, I try to remind myself the fear is a sign that my ego is talking, my small self, the me that is rooted in my identity as it is this minute. But I know that there's a deeper part of me that is not afraid. The wisp of the divine that is in each of us whispers, you are stronger than you think. Fear is born from the little me, the lowercase I am. When I can connect to that deeper piece of me, the uppercase I am, all there is, is love. Quote, The arrival of fear isn't failure. The arrival of fear is an invitation to bravery. 
John Acuff. Number three, fear of change. I'm worried that I'll never be able to eat my favorite foods again, and I'll always feel deprived. My partner loves good food, and I don't want to give that up. I like to go out and have drinks with my friends. The subconscious mind views change as a massive threat. Think about it. Back on the savannah, if something was different, in other words, change, that would have meant a predator was nearby or a famine was coming. The primitive brain learned that change is bad. Changing your lifestyle, changing the way you look, and changing the way you see yourself can be a huge identity shift. Guess what the subconscious mind thinks about that? It says, uh, no, thank you. I'll pass. My job is to keep us safe and change is not safe. Consciously, you may feel miserable at a higher weight. Subconsciously, your mind feels nice and cozy and safe there. From the perspective of the subconscious mind, it prefers the devil you know versus the devil you don't know every day of the week and twice on Sunday. It's natural to fear change. But when that comes to changing your habits to become healthier, it can seem like your brain is working against you because it literally is. Number four, fear of success. Why would I ever be afraid of achieving the thing I'm working towards? Actually, lots of reasons. For starters, success can be scary. When everything goes really well, everything changes. Sure, your body changes and your wardrobe changes. Those are the nice changes, the ones you're looking forward to. But also, your relationships change. The way you live your life and go out and interact with the world changes. These more subtle changes can give your subconscious mind pause, like, hey, I'm not totally 110% sure I really want this. For example, what if I lose weight and I don't love my body? What if it doesn't look like I thought it would? If I lose weight, I'll gain attention. I'll have to date. Or I'll no longer have a great excuse to not put myself out there. It can be terrifying to be vulnerable in that way. Or some of us have a story in our head that says, once I lose the weight, I'll finally get my real estate license or start that YouTube channel or insert something scary but ultimately challenging and super rewarding here. Losing weight means you no longer have a reason not to go for your dreams. Maybe you'll have to change your lifestyle and you're afraid you'll miss going out with your friends on Fridays. Maybe you'll lose some friends because you no longer keep the same habits they do. Maybe you'll start attracting attention that feels like unwanted attention. Extra weight is a subconscious form of protection. When we're overweight, we tend to be overlooked, not seen. To be seen can be vulnerable. It's safe to play small. And losing weight means you risk being seen. Every time you have success, that fear voice pops up. You subconsciously start figuring out how to not have as much success so that you don't have to face the fear of what lies on the other side of that success. How did a reptile get inside my brain? You already know that there are two parts of your brain, the subconscious mind, in other words, the prefrontal cortex, where rational decisions get made, and the subconscious mind, where the brain puts things that can be done on autopilot. The prefrontal cortex uses up a lot of energy. So the brain doesn't want to use it as much. Because the brain wants to save energy, it's always on the lookout for patterns that it can delegate to the subconscious mind. Anything you do on repeat, whether it's good for you or not, gets delegated to the subconscious mind as a habit. Over time, your brain has stored lots of things in your subconscious mind. Things like thoughts about food, your weight, your abilities, stuff you were told as a kid like clean your plate, rules around food from past diets, 
opinions about yourself based on the opinions and judgments from others, and societal messaging from magazines and social media. You have roughly 60,000 thoughts a day. 95% of them are driven by the subconscious mind. That's 57,000 thoughts a day that impact you, but you don't even know they're there. That's why it is so important to take that 5% of thoughts you do hear and proactively program them on purpose. The skill of undoing self-sabotage is recognizing that your proactive thoughts are the key to rewiring the thoughts you'll never hear because they're beneath your awareness. This is why there is such a big difference between knowing what to do and actually doing it. Knowing what to do is stored in that 5% of conscious thought. Actually doing it comes from the 95% of those thoughts that are flying underneath the radar. But that's not all. Your brain likes to prove itself right. If those old stories from your subconscious mind are the only dialogue in your brain, then the RAS will filter for evidence to prove your stories right and filter out any evidence that could contradict your old stories. For example, your brain may be filtering for examples of how you've not stayed on your plan in the past and filtered out all the positive choices you've been making. So it feels like you're messing up all the time because that is what your brain is telling itself to remember. When you add judgment and shame to the mix, you get stuck in a downward spiral rather than moving towards solving things. When you know how to notice an old thought and recognize it, then you can retool it. Quote, My experience is what I agree to attend to. Only those items which I notice shape my mind. William James How to be a crocodile hunter. Steve Irwin, the beloved crocodile hunter, was famous for chasing down all kinds of dangerous animals, including big saltwater crocs. Before he passed away in 2006, he dedicated his life to finding crocodiles, learning more about them, and, when necessary, relocating them to his conservation wildlife park in Australia. He knew that wildlife crocodiles can be dangerous, they were a natural part of our world, and worthy of being respected rather than hunted and destroyed. In the same way, your self-sabotage thoughts can be challenging, but they're not necessarily something you need to forcibly make go away. You can't. Instead, you just need to be aware that they are there, spot them when they pop up, and redirect them when you can. Fear of failure, fear of change, fear of success, etc. are totally normal human emotions. That is just your brain trying to protect you. It's doing its job! There's nothing wrong with you when your brain offers up thoughts that have some flavor of, what if I fail? The more important thing is to focus on, what do I do about it? First, it's imperative to try and let go of the guilt and shame. Those feelings only keep you in the downward spiral of self-sabotage. Second, you've got to change the filter. You want your brain to be filtering for evidence of what is working and that you are making positive choices. Here's an analogy. There are some things you decide to spend money on in a conscious, purposeful, proactive way. So like you make a conscious decision to buy a piece of furniture or a piece of clothing or a kitchen appliance. And then there are other things that you've set up on auto pay, like your internet or your car payment or a streaming service like Netflix. The limiting belief in your subconscious mind is like the auto payment of some old random subscription you got years ago and completely forgot about. It's drawing money out of your account each month, but you're not aware of it because you forgot about it and you just haven't looked closely at your bank statement lately. 
it's easy to let it keep going because it's on auto pay. You don't have to do a thing. In order to change the auto payment, it takes awareness. You've got to dig into your bank statement and find out that it's there. Then you've got to go hunt down the phone number or the support email address of the company that's drafting your auto payment. And then you've actually got to send the email or make the phone call to the company and ask them to cancel your account. In that case, you're redirecting what happens to the money. But now imagine your company said, okay, we'll cancel your account. But in order to do so, you need to call us every day for six months. And every time you call, we'll reduce your payment by a little bit so that by the end of six months, your payment will be zero. But until then, you've got to demonstrate that you want a new pattern by putting in the effort. So that takes practice. So our three steps were number one, awareness, number two, redirecting, and number three, practice. Your old self-sabotaging habits and thought patterns are the same way. The outcomes we get in our lives are a direct result of our thinking. You can go on a diet and change your behaviors temporarily, but if you never address the limiting beliefs underneath, you'll always end up getting the same results over time. Past diets may have failed because you didn't know how to get to the root of your self-sabotaging behavior and change it at its source. Now you can. Step one, awareness. To interrupt the pattern of self-sabotage, you need to identify it at the root of why you're self-sabotaging yourself. You've got to get clear on those old thoughts and patterns that are hidden in the recesses of your brain operating on autopilot without your awareness. How do you find that out? Here's how. Number one, every time you have a slip up or an overeat or off-plan moment, stop and reflect. What happened? What triggered you to change your plan and do something different? The old thought pattern is hiding in the slip up, waiting for you to find it. Number two, write down what the trigger was. Here are some common ones. Stress, like a long day at work. Boredom, I particularly struggle with that one. Depriving yourself. A stressful encounter, like my mother-in-law called or my boss criticized me. Lack of sleep, that's huge. And maybe a special event like a birthday or going out to a restaurant. Number three. Write down the story in your head at the moment of the trigger and slip up. What was going on there? What was the story behind the story? Here are some examples. I've never been able to stick to something long-term, so why bother trying? Failing in front of everyone so many times is demoralizing. Or, I want to be able to go out with my friends and enjoy myself without worrying about calories or carbs. Or, I'm lonely, but the idea of dating freaks me out. If I lose weight, I'll have no excuse to get out there. Or finally, I'm just not ready to give up my favorite foods forever. I'm worried that I'll always feel deprived. So those were a few examples of what could be the story behind the story in your mind when you decided to go off your plan. So step number four, examine the thought. Is it true? How is it serving you? How does it keep you stuck? What actions and results does that thought lead to? For example, all or nothing thinking, like I already blew it, so I might as well enjoy myself. Or maybe punishing yourself the next day, either in your thoughts or actions or both. Or possibly resolving to, quote, be good tomorrow, only to find yourself falling off again at dinner. Watch out for these sneaky sabotagers. Weight loss is easier when you remove as many negative self-talk triggers as possible that cause self-sabotage. Negative self-talk is a powerful habit trigger. Most of the time, knowing what to eat is not the key to weight loss. The key to weight loss is how we think about what we eat, what we tell ourselves about what we eat and cannot eat or do, 
and what we make that mean about ourselves. So watch out for statements that include the following. I can't have. Oy, how many times have you looked at the rules of a diet and realized that some special food that you like to eat is on the do not eat this list? Whatever that food is, when you tell yourself, I can't have it, you create a dichotomy in your brain. By telling yourself you can't have some type of food, you set yourself up for failure because you pit yourself against yourself. This is often what you feel on the weekends when you're thinking, I just need a break. You're tired from always having to obey the rules, so the rebellious side of you wins out. Instead of telling yourself, I can't have X, try shifting your thoughts and words around. Words matter. The way you talk to yourself matters. Pay attention to the words you use in your head and out loud. Try saying, I choose to have X or I choose not to eat X. For example, I choose to eat birthday cake because I want to enjoy celebrating this special milestone with my daughter. I'll be present in the moment and really taste it and not feel guilty about it. And because I'm present with it, I'll only need to have one piece to feel satisfied. Or I choose not to eat ice cream at the restaurant because I know I won't feel so great in my body afterwards. And I choose to get a decent night's sleep versus reacting to what's right in front of me in the moment. Another sentence starter to be on the lookout for is I have to. This often comes out as I have to exercise or I have to watch what I'm eating. It's the same principle as above. When you tell yourself you have to do something, that puts the agency and control outside of yourself. We humans like to have a sense of control over our lives. By telling yourself, I have to X, you play the role of victim in your own life. You get to write the story of your life. Do you want to play the role of victim or the hero in your own life? Instead of saying, I have to X, try saying, I get to X. Like, for example, I get to exercise because I like the way I feel afterwards. I get to go for a walk because I appreciate that my legs work and I have the freedom of movement. I get to eat a salad at lunch because I like feeling lighter in my body. There are so many ways you can complete the sentence, I get to. Fill the rest of the sentence with something meaningful to you. When you attach a new meaning to your choices, they take on a whole new level of power and purpose. Some other words and sneaky sabotagers to be on the lookout for is I should or they should. This sentence is really the same as the other two, only it adds a nice passive aggressive helping of guilt and shame as a side dish. Awesome. Whenever you catch yourself saying or thinking the shoulds, shoulds are very sneaky, try shifting that thought to one that's empowering from one of the thoughts above. So instead of I should go to the gym, try I get to go to the gym. Or, I choose not to go to the gym because my body feels sore from yesterday. Instead of, I should set aside time to meal plan, try, I get to save myself the hassle of deciding later when I'm tired, so I choose to meal plan on Sundays at 10.30 in the morning before going to the grocery store. Instead of, my mother shouldn't comment on what I eat, try thinking, I choose to see my mother with compassion because she learned from her upbringing that looks are the only things that matters. Don't give yourself extra guilt and shame with the shoulds. Drop the shoulds and the victim mindset and take agency by focusing on what you can control and put yourself in the driver's seat of your choices and thus your life. Two other sneaky sabotagers are I'm worried about X or what if I X. So for example, most of the things we worry about are outside of our control and a waste of energy. Funnel that energy into examining the things you can control and then solve for those things. Stay tuned for more of that in just a minute. 
And then the what ifs are another version of the worries, only better because you can claim a little agency over the disempowering thought by adding a little action at the end of it. So whenever you catch yourself thinking, what if I blank, 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 just add what you'll do if that situation comes up. So what if X happens, then I will. Once you get to the real reason why you're holding yourself back, then you can begin to redirect those thoughts from there. Speaking of redirect, let's talk about that next. Step two, redirect. How can you tell yourself a better story or ask yourself a better question to create better actions and results? Number one, challenge the thought. Look for evidence that it might not be true. For example, I've never been able to stick to something long-term, so why bother trying? Really? You've figured out lots of other impressive things in your life. Whether it's how to raise a child, finish school, complete a project at work, you have figured out things in the past. You've seen other people succeed at weight loss, and you're just as smart and capable as they are. If they can figure it out, you can too. I want to be able to go out with my friends and enjoy myself without worrying about calories or carbs. You can still go out. And you can plan ahead. Create a plan for yourself that includes the desires of, number one, you right now. Number two, your future self who is in the moment wanting to let loose with your friends. And then number three, future you the day after the night out. How can the three of you create a plan that is a compromise on all of your desires? I'm lonely, but the idea of dating freaks me out. If I lose the weight, I'll have no excuse to get out there. What if your ideal partner is out there just waiting for you to meet them? 50 years from now, what will you regret more? Feeling vulnerable by putting yourself out there or never trying? I'm not ready to give up my favorite foods forever. I'm worried I'll always feel deprived. Listen, depriving yourself is not a sustainable plan. You can absolutely learn to have your favorite foods in moderation. If you hate your life as you're losing the weight, you will hate what it takes to keep the weight off. Step number two, proactively choose a more empowering thought. How can you take that old story in your head and look for an empowering alternative? For example, I've never been able to stick to something long-term, so why bother trying can become, I can figure this out. With every mistake, I'm learning and getting closer to my goal. I want to be able to go out with my friends and enjoy myself without worrying about calories or carbs can become, I can always find ways to enjoy myself and keep promises to myself at the same time. I've always got my own back. I'm lonely, but the idea of dating freaks me out. If I lose the weight, I'll have no excuse to get out there can become my future is worth fighting for. I'm not ready to give up on my favorite foods forever. I'm worried I'll always feel deprived can become I can enjoy my favorite foods in ways that support me. Now, step number three is use the old thought to your advantage. Your brain has been practicing your old thought patterns for a long time. It's unrealistic to hope that negative thoughts will just go away. Having a negative thought is simply evidence that your brain is working properly. A negative thought is not evidence that you cannot succeed. We're going to take that negative thought and turn it into a positive. You have to deliberately practice new thinking. Just like you would practice serving a tennis ball in order to get better at it, you'll need to proactively practice new thoughts. Every time you have a negative thought about yourself or notice an old story coming up, you can use it as a trigger to choose a different thought. It is an invitation to remind yourself, we're not talking to ourselves that way anymore. 
And then you can program in and practice the more empowering thought. All right, you ready to practice your redirect routine? Here are some redirect examples for four of the most common types of self-sabotaging thoughts. Low self-esteem. Instead of telling yourself things that make you feel terrible, try asking a new question. If I believed I could succeed, even if I maybe don't totally believe it right now, what would I do next? What would somebody who has already been successful do? What advice would my wise future self give me right now? Fear of failure. Instead of worrying about what might go wrong, how can you look at failure as a gift? For example, what if each slip up is an invitation to learn about my triggers? What if each overeat is the roadmap to improvement? And what if every time I fall off the wagon is actually a chance to practice the skill of getting right back on track? Fear of change. Rather than worrying about how things will change, try asking yourself, what if I'm going to learn to like all kinds of foods while not having to give up the ones I love? What if that could be possible? What could I imagine myself eating in six months that I'm not ready to try today? What's a way that I could lose weight in a way that my whole family loves what we eat? How can I make this work for all of us? How might I learn to go out to eat and enjoy myself on vacation and still feel healthy? Fear of success. Instead of thinking about how your body isn't what you want it to be, look for what is right about you. Ask yourself, in what ways can I love and appreciate this body at any weight? What life is this body giving me right now? What is right about me? And use all five of your senses, not just your eyes. It can be scary to let go of that weight when it was built to protect you to begin with. But when we build walls to keep out rejection or vulnerability, we also keep out all the good things, the good people, experiences, and feelings. Ask yourself, at this time in my life, do I still need protection from the things I'm hiding from? Or can I learn to be resilient in my mind and take care of that person who felt like she needed a wall and tell her, I've got this now? Remember the reticular activating system, the RIS? Someone who believes they can lose weight looks for examples of how it is possible. You can tell your brain what to filter for by proactively telling yourself a better story and asking better questions. The brain is made to filter out and look for stuff that supports your story. So be very clear on what your story is. Be careful where you point your brain's filter because whatever you're looking for, you'll find it. So remember, step one was awareness. Step two is redirect. And now we're on step three, practice. How long have you been carrying around those old limiting beliefs? Probably years. So how many times of repeating a new story would it take to rewrite the old story? Fortunately, it doesn't take years, but it does take proactive, conscious practice. Overcoming self-sabotage may take a while, so don't be shocked or feel like you're doing it wrong. This takes practice, a lot of it. Give yourself the grace to be terrible at this at first. Each time you try to tell yourself a different story to create a different result, even if you fail many times over, you are gradually telling your brain, hey, I'm interested in a new pattern. I'm willing to put in the time and effort to pull out that old thought pattern up from my subconscious and purposefully create a new pattern. Even if it doesn't work right away, it probably won't work right away. Practice telling yourself a new story. 
ask better questions. Be patient. This takes time and repetition and practice. Be willing to fail and try again. It's called learning.